This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Now we're going to go in a different, different share because Torah Anytime, we don't want the same share one behind the other. But if you want to hear this morning's share, it's a very important share um, about forgiveness, being able to forgive other people that hurt you because nobody can hurt you unless Hashem wants them to. So you have to realize that it's coming from Hashem. It doesn't make the person right. They'll pay for it. But you, the one who got hurt, has to know that no one can hurt you unless Hashem signs off on it. And we don't, know, we don't always understand why we get hurt. This was a share this morning. Um, we don't always get to see why we get hurt. Um, but sometimes we do. And a lot of people that, you know, um, that have gone through, I know a lot of people have gone through drugs and because of the trauma that happened to them. And they became um, drug counselors and people that went through, you know, um, divorced parents and, 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 and dysfunctional families who became therapists to help, you know, people that are going through the same thing. Or rabbeim, or teachers, or, you know, it doesn't even have to be on that level if, 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 if you're, you're, you were a girl in school, and, and, and of course no one over here, but if you were a girl in school and no, no one was your friend, and you had a hard, you know, you had a hard time, because for a girl, social, their social life is like the most important thing, and then their marks are very important, but social life is number one. And, and you went through this, and you knew what it meant to sit and not be invited to parties, and to be like, nobody wants to have anything to do with you, and you went through that pain as a kid, and you don't know, like, why did I go through this pain? You can't, you wouldn't go through that pain unless Hashem wanted you to go through that pain. The people who didn't invite you and treated you nasty, well, they're going to get it. They're going to get it. But nobody could hurt you unless Hashem signs off that you should be hurt. So, so, so like, oh, so, I, I, so, so now I have, to, I have to open up a whole uh, uh, clinic for this? No, the answer is no. But then when your daughter, right, you find out that your 10th grade daughter is making a party and she didn't invite a certain girl. And you're like, why didn't you invite her? And she's like, oh, she just, every time she comes, she just messes everything up. Nobody really likes her. And if I invite her, then my other friends are not going to come. You know what I'm talking about, girls? You ever hear that before? <laughs> right. I'm a guy. We don't deal with that much, but you deal with that. So, so, like, you'll be like, listen to me. Sheikh I was that girl. I was the girl that didn't get invited. I was the girl that nobody wanted to have anything to do with. I know what that pain is. Even if you lose all your friends, you've got to bring this girl home. Because I went through it. That girl gets invited, you changed her whole life. Maybe you went through what you went through from 8th grade till 12th grade, just for that moment. As long as you know that nothing happens to you unless Hashem wants it. So pre-trauma, pre-the thing happens to you, you can't be thinking that way. But once something happens to you, you can be depressed and anxious and be angry at Hashem or be angry at whatever... Or you could say, it's very silly if someone hits me with a stick to be angry at the stick. <laughs> That's not normal. The person who, who was holding the stick and hit me, that's the one. So if someone hurts you, and Hashem used them to hurt you, then it's between you and Hashem. Yes, the person who hurt you. So then you have a fantastic question. One second. If Hashem used this person to hurt me, so why, why is this person going to get punished for it? He didn't, do any, he didn't do anything wrong. Hashem used him to hurt me. The answer is, who does Hashem use to hurt you? Bad people. Like Parla, he, right, Parla. right. Hashem's not going to go, Hashem's not going to go into his closet and say, um, okay, we got to hurt this girl, get her insulted. Okay, Rav Chaim Kainevsky. 
you're going to do it. Of course, he's a big tzaddik, but he's going to find a guy or a girl who goes around all day long talking much and hard about other girls and hurting other girls. It's like, you. This girl has to be hurt for whatever reason, and you're hurting other people. Avera, Gereres, Avera. You do Averis, Hashem's going to use you to do more Averis. You do mitzvahs, mitzvah, Gereres, mitzvah. Hashem's going to use you to do more mitzvahs. So it's pretty much what you choose to do. But at the end of the day, if you're, and I was just talking to one of the girls about it, if you're going to be angry at the person who hurt you, and you're not going to let it go, they're going to continuously hurt you. Every single day that you're depressed, that person is abusing you again. Every time you're doing drugs because someone hurt you, they, they're abusing you again. Get them out! Let it go! I'm not telling you it's easy, what I'm telling you, but as long as you're connected, you're connected. Who wants to be connected to this miserable person who hurt me? Fat. I don't want to be connected to them anymore. I want to cut them out. Well, how do you cut them out? By not having any emotion towards them. Hatred is stronger than love. If you hate someone, you think about it all the time. If you love someone, you don't think about it all the time. Should, maybe, but you don't. Facts. But you hate someone? It's like, ugh. Can't get her out of my heart. I hate her. When you say, I can't get her out of my heart, I hate her? That's a very big problem if you can't get her out of your heart. Get her out of your heart. Or him, or whoever hurt you. Get them out of your heart. You want that in your heart? So what does that mean, that expression? I can't get them out of my heart. That means that the knife, the dagger, the sword, is still in your heart. Can't get it out of my heart. So as long as the sword's in your heart, you're bleeding. You're dying. Get them out of your heart. Pull the sword and get them out of your heart. And... I spoke to them about Yosef Atzadeh. Today we're going to talk about Moshe Rabbeinu. Amazing thing about Moshe Rabbeinu. I want to tell you something. And he was born in Mitzrayim, as you know. And as a little teeny boy, which I'm sure he didn't understand, the, the Khartoumim, the, the sorcerers of Paro said, today a child was born to the Jewish nation, a boy who will destroy you and all of Mitzrayim. Now, these guys knew how to read stars. If that's what they said, that's what's going to happen. So he said that day, from now on, every Jewish boy that's born, drown him. So if he's born, and we kill every boy, he won't be able to hurt us. And then his little daughter, Batya, came home, or Bisya, as the Medrash says, and said, I found a little baby in a basket. And he was crying. And she knew he was Jewish. It was a very, one of the most beautiful Torahs I've ever heard in my life. I want to share with you. And you need to say it at home in Mitzvah Hashem this Shabbos. It is an amazing Torah, and it's so true. And don't ever forget this Torah. So, Batya goes down to the Nile River. This is Machlok, she actually was going down to become a Jew, to become a Giyaris, right? Batya was one of the few that went up to Ganadin alive. She went up to the Ganadin alive. She was called Batya because Paro thought he was God, and he named her Batya, the daughter of God. Yeah, that's why he named her Batya. That's she got the name. Batya, the daughter of God. He thought he was God. He made himself to a God, right? So... I have a bite but it's not for that reason. I don't think I'm God. Um, 
So it says the following. It says she comes down. I have so much to talk about on this parasha, but I guess we'll have to wait two weeks. The whole thing of her stretching out her arm. Do you ever understand that? It's a great... Do you know, anyone in this understand that? She put out her arm and it kept stretching and stretching and stretching into the middle of the Nile. Girls, come on, give me a break. You really believe that? Medrash says it. She's like Gumby. She's like, oh, imagine I put out my hand. Oh, look, it just hit the back wall. You'd be like, Rabbi, what are you smoking? What are you thinking? Like, you can't, your arm is a, what does this mean? She put out her arm and it stretched. Now, we all know that God doesn't do miracles unless you have to, right? So Moshe's in this little basket floating on the water. Why does Hashem just like make a wave, like a little wind? The basket comes to her. You gotta make her arm stretch like Gumby? Why do you need a miracle here? You don't need a miracle here. Bring a wind, and it, 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 it'll, it'll come to her. And even a bigger question. You know how many names Moshe Rabbeinu had? Anyone here know? Seven. 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 Tuvia. His mother named him Tuvia. You know why? Because he was born with a bris and he had a, his face was lit up. Kitoivu. She saw Kitoivu, so she named him Tuvia. He had a bunch of other Hebrew names. What name stuck to him? The one not Jewish name. Who gave him the name Moshe? Batya. Why? Because I pulled him out of the water. Now, all you girls I'm sure have learned in high school and elementary school, what were the three things the Jews were rewarded that they were taken out of Mitzrayim? Shloshino, they didn't change their names, their clothing, what else? And their language. Very cute. I taught kids that weren't from. I'll never forget this. I'm going back 35 years. So I taught 8th grade boys in a yeshiva that, of kids that weren't from. They, not they off the derech, they didn't come from, from homes. So we're, we're learning shmos. And I'm talking about, well, the Jews, for three reasons, they were let out of Mitzrayim. One, they didn't change their clothes. And this kid goes, no wonder, 210 years, they didn't change their clothes. No wonder they threw them out. Okay. But that's, that's not, he didn't, let me get to, he didn't let me get to the other two. But that's not, that's not what it meant. So, so, see, you can still laugh a little bit, even in school. So, if one of the things that got the Jewish nation out of a triumph is that we didn't take on Goyesh names, how could the tyrant name him the one Goyesh name out of the seven? Well, because he was a Jew and his name was Moshe. Right. But that's not the bait. The one who gave him the name was a guy. It was Bacha. Okay, maybe she was a Jew, she was a, but that's not, that's not how we learn it. Right? Why? Why is that better than Tuvia? Tuvia is nicer than that. Because you took him out of the water? Big deal. You took him out of the water. So it's very, very important for everybody in this room to know, to know why he was named Moshe. Why were all the names... That was the name that stuck. And the answer is that a person's name, and I've done this many times with people, your name is your source of who you are. How you got your name, someone died, a grandmother, great-grandmother, the parsha, uh, your mother likes this Israeli name. Ah, everyone has a different name. But really, Ruch HaKodesh is what, why you have your name. So when some, a girl tells me her name, I know already half of her, of her personality. 100%. A name and a, and a birthday tells you a lot about person's personality, they could go above the name, they could go above their, their, their date of birth, they can go above it, but because Tyree can take you above everything, but if your name is a certain name, Rifka's, any Rifka's in this, in this room? 
So Rivka's, not, not, not about you, but most Rivka's have an internal fight between the Yetzirah and Yetzirah. Why? Because when Rivka went past the church, the baby tried to go out. When Rivka went past the shul, the baby tried to get out. The Rivka was also very smart, and she was able to get the bracha for Yaakov. So Rivka's have an edge. They know a little bit how to manipulate things. I'm not saying you, but Rivka's do. And, uh, and Sarah's are usually pretty strong-minded. Pretty stubborn. I don't know how many cells we have in the class. Whatever. But in Nate, because Sari Menu was like, no, you have to throw your small out. And Avram was like, no, I don't have to throw your small out. And said, no. And how do we know that a name, how do we know, right, Watson, where'd you get up, where'd you come up with this from? Like everyone who's watching is like, what does that mean? What do you come up with? Because all the names in the Torah were given for a reason to represent the person. Yehuda, Oydas Hashem, all the Shvatim. Every Shavit, when they named them, it says in the Pasuk, why they named them. Yosef, Adam, because Adama, and he comes from the earth, and the earth has potential. Every single name has a reason. So, so Moshe, Moshe's name was picked, even though it wasn't Jewish. I want to read you from inside. Right? I think it's Shani. Big question. Why would you give him a Goyesha name when the whole reason they got out was because they didn't take Goyesha names? Bomb question. Did you ever ask this to your teacher in school? No, you didn't. All right. Let's see what it says. Here. Vayigdal Hayeled. And the boy grew up. Vativeil Basparo. And they brought him to the non Jew, but the non Jew Basparo. Vayihilo Leben. And she, she adopted him like a son. Vatikra, she, so there's no argument here. Vatikra Shmo Moshe. She named him Moshe. So you can't tell me Yochebed or anyone else named him. The Torah says she named him Moshe. But Torah, why Moshe? Ki min hamayim because I pulled him out of the water. Big deal. You pulled him out of the water. That's why you named him that? And the answer is no, because I pulled him out of the water that I could not reach him. And I put my hand out even though I could not reach him. It was impossible. But you never give up on a child. So even when you think, or a person, even when you think they're out of reach, oh, this kid's off the derech, this kid's a drug addict, this kid did this, this girl did that, oh, forget it. I, I hate when I hear people in Chinuch and other mothers and fathers saying, Rabbi Wallerstein, she's lost. Okay. If she's lost, then we could find her. Lost is not such a terrible thing. She's dead, we got a problem. She's lost? Lost? So what are you doing? Search! Don't just sit there and tell me, oh, this girl, Rabbi, forget it, she's lost. When something's lost, what do you do? You look for it. The worst thing is playing hide-and-go-seek and you're hiding and no one comes looking for you. That's terrible. That is bad. So when someone says, oh, Rabbi, no, you know, work on her, she's lost. I'm like, no, she, let's work on the one that's lost. If someone's lost... Then, then, then you could find her. So what Ba'i was saying, and the reason his name is Moshe, is she was saying, I got him out of the water, but I couldn't reach him. I couldn't reach him. I'm a little girl, and he's out in the water. But you know what? I put my hand out anyway. Because you got to try your best. And maybe Hashem will do a miracle. And he did. That, one second, that had to be his source. 
To be a leader in Klai Yisrael, you have to be Kiminamayim Shisihu. You have to put your hand out even when you think it's impossible to reach this kid. You know how many times in my life I have heard, Rabbi Wallstein, it is impossible to reach this girl. It's impossible to reach that boy. I'm like, Bacha Basparo would never accept that. Because it was impossible for her to reach Moshe. And she put her hand out. And she went to Ganeiden alive. Sorry, Emanuel didn't go alive. Rivka didn't go alive. Rachel didn't go alive. Leah didn't go alive. Those are Arimahos. They didn't go alive. They're buried in Hebron and in Beislechem. What did Bajim Basparo do that she went alive? You know what it means to go alive? Eliyahu Navi went alive. It's put down in the metric. She went alive. She even has a room. I can tell you, Kabbalah Yashar brings down. She has a room where women go. It's a whole thing. And, and you know what it says in Kabbalah Yashar? It's, it's a safe about Shemayim that, that every day she, Bajibas Paro, takes a lot of the women that are in her room and they open up the Mechitza and they watch Moshe Rabbeinu teach Torah in, the, in, the, in Yeshiva Shemayla and she says, I saved him. Kabbalah Yashar, I'll show it to you. Hello? Always put your hand out. Never give up. And that had to be his name because your name is your source. And the leader, a leader of Klai Yisrael, the Rebbe of Klai Yisrael, the Mechanach of Klai Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu, that's what he's called. Not Moshe Tzaddik or Moshe Amelech. Moshe Rabbeinu, the Rebbe. If you are the Rebbe of Klai Yisrael, if you are a Mechanach, then you cannot give up. And even when the kid is OTD, off the derech, way out there. And I, I have this, I can't get him, I can't reach him. No such thing. That's why, instead of Tuvia and all the other names, the Torah tells you, I got him out of the water. If the basket, this is the answer to my question before, if the basket would have been blown by a wave, or right, then Hashem got him out of the water. Then that's no, no big deal. I didn't do anything, I didn't put my hand out, I didn't try. So Hashem said, no, I'm not. I, yeah, I could save the miracle. I could just bring a wind or a wave and he'll be right next to you in two minutes. But then it wouldn't be in Moshe Rabbeinu's DNA, spiritual DNA. He needed to be, have that koyach of putting your hand out. And I can tell you in my life, I have put my hand out to people that I thought there was no way that we could help them. And they ended up being superstars and put my hand out to people that were very close by and doing very well and they're totally off. You, it's not up to you. You have to put your hand out. It's not up to you. You have to try. Someone's lost, so, so what are you doing? Go look for them. Why are you sitting here and saying, forget them? If they're lost, go look for them. Hashavah Aveda is a mitzvah if something's lost, to give it back. But that's not the Dvatari I want you to say, Shabbos. No, that's not the Dvatari. Yes? For which one? For Moshe? The Pasuk says... Mm. One second. That's before this. Uh, yeah, but it's pasuk yud in Perik Beis. But Yigdal Yeled, he grew up. But the veil of Basparo, they brought him back to Basparo because Yochevah was nursing him. But he loch leben, she adopted him for a child. But Tikkur Shemo Moshe, and she called him Moshe. She said, his name is Moshe because I took him out of the water. Not Hashem, 
Shem, of course, made the miracle, but I put my hand out. I put my hand out! If Hashem would have done the whole thing, no, Hashem wants you to put your hand out. By the way, just interesting, someone just texted me this two, two weeks ago. How do you know that Moshe Rabbeinu was the closest to Hashem, he was the Ever Hashem? If you take the name Moshe backwards, what does it spell? I never, I never knew that. It spells Hashem. Moshe is Hashem. Hey, Shin, Mem. Someone just texted me that. But anyway, that's not the Dvatari I want you to say. That's not, I mean, you can say it. It's a good Dvatari. Don't get me wrong. But this is what I want you to say. Listen to this. This is so beautiful. Could, it's, it's a Balaturim. It's a Balaturim. Some other, other um, people write Chazal, but the Balaturim writes this. Okay, listen to this. Miriam stood from afar. To see what's going to happen with this little baby in the basket. And Basparo went. She had she had saras. She had very bad. Her and her father both had very bad leprosy. It's Basparo also, yeah. So it's very scaly skin and very itchy. So going bathing in the Nile in the morning in the cold water would help her a lot. So that's why she went down. The Vinaraseha, she came with her maidens. Hokasayadiar. To to be by the Nile River. Batera Esateva. Now it's very interesting. The Medrash says that. When she touched Moshe, when she took him out of the basket, the leprosy went, was, was cured. Yeah, the minute she touched him, the whole leprosy was cured. But Teresa a teva. She saw the basket. Why is it called a teva? Anyone know why? Anyone know why it was called a teva? It should have been called a tena. Right. Why was it called a teva? The other only place we see a teva is by Noah. Moshe Rabbeinu was a Gilgal of Noah. How do we know that? He was a Gilgal of Noah. Because Noah saved, Noah saved his family, but didn't save the world. And later on, when the Jews did the Egel, so Noah needed a Tikkun, because he didn't save the world, he only saved his own people. So he came back as Moshe Rabbeinu, and by the Egel, Hashem said, I'm going to destroy the whole Klai Yisrael, but you and your family will live, and the new Klai Yisrael will come. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, 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 I'm not doing this again. I messed up last time when I was Noah. So he said, he said, Mocheni na misifracha. If you, if you don't save the Jews, then wipe me out of your chumash, of your swarm. I don't want to be there anymore. What is mecheni, the word mecheni, the, the word spelled mei? Noach. The reigns of Noach. Mecheni no misifracha. Erase what I did by Noach and save the Jews. Erase what I did that I didn't save everyone. I only saved myself. So he was, he was a Gilgal and Sefer Gugulim of Chaim Vital. He was a definite Gilgal of Noach. So, that's why the Torah uses the word teva instead of tena. Because Noah was in a teva. So now Moshe Rabbeinu is in a teva. Yes, and, 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 just very beautiful, just how Hashem works is amazing. That, that, what did the water, what did the water do during the Mabel? Destroyed. Destroyed everything. What did the water do here? It saved him. It saved him. Was he allowed to hit the water? Later on. To make dam? No. Why? Because he's not allowed to hit something that saved him. So he did a tikkun for the water too. The water that destroyed the world, now he's in a teva, surrounded by water, but this time the water is saving his life. God has, everything is intertwined with each other. But anyway, you want to ask something? What? Also. Because a gilgal doesn't mean the whole neshama. A gilgal means spiritual DNA. So you could have different DNA in you of Hevel, of Noah, and you have to fix each one of those. So you can have 
four different neshamas, four different, your neshama is your neshama, and then they put into it tikkun of maybe someone in the Holocaust, and then maybe someone in the Spanish Inquisition, and you have to misak in all those different things, or maybe just one thing, or maybe, or maybe nothing. But that he was, he was also later on with Kairach, and Kairach was, was Kayan. Okay, but anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. But anyway, so listen, this is the point I want to see. But Teresa Teva Zekat Suf, and she saw the Teva in, in the Nile. But Tishach is a muscle, she sent out her hand, she says, and also very deep, very, very deep. Girls, listen to this. What is Vatishlach as a Matsovatikha? Is that the right is that the right word? Vatishlach means like you send someone out of the room. How would you say she outstretched her hand in Hebrew? Not Vatishlach. That's not that the translation. let's look in plastic for the English. She and her mate and she took it. She opened it and saw him. No, that's not what I want. The end of Pasuk Hey. They translated. She op- She saw the basket among the reeds. She sent her maidservant and she took it. Love. But according to Rashi, according to Rashi, Es Amasa Es Yada. She sent her hand out. And her hand grew very long. So what I'm trying to say here is, Tishlach. in other words, she understood that my hand can't reach it. So she sort of just said, I'm going to try. That's more like Tishlach. In other words, I know I can't reach it, right? but I'm going to put my hand out and I'm going to try. Okay, here comes the word that I want you to say over. So she opens it up. She opens up the basket and she sees a little baby. And a big boy is crying. And she has pity on this child. This child is a Jew. You ready? This is what I want you to say over. Says Rashi, and the way we've always learned this, the voice sounded like an older person. Which, by the way, is a mum. It's a blemish. If a baby talks, cries, and it sounds like an older person, something wrong with the baby. So what's Rashi saying over here? Why would Hashem do that? He says, baby was crying, right? And he needed a child, a little child, and then she heard a big boy crying. You need to like, show like, potential. But he wasn't a big boy. And what's Rashi saying? Rashi saying he was crying like a big boy. So you ready for this? So the Balaturim says, this is what I want you to say over, the Balaturim says, and it says, she opened it up and, and, and the, the baby was crying and she knew it was a, a, a Jew. Because the baby was crying, you knew it was a Jew. Now if you're going to tell me, he had a bris milah, ah, she looked, she opened his diaper, whatever he was wearing, and she said, oh, this kid has a bris milah. He must be a Jew. Wrong. Because from Yosef's time on, there was a law in Egypt that every single boy had to have a bris milah, even the Goyim. And they kept that. The Arabs still have it. That was the law that he made. They still have it, the Arabs. They all have a bris milah. So the question is, her opening the diaper and seeing he has a bris milah doesn't make him a Jew. Him crying doesn't make him a Jew. But it seems to be that they're connected because it says, it says... 
he was crying like a big boy, but Tachmal Olaf, she had pity on him, and she said, he must be a Jew. Where is she getting that he must be a Jew? Says the Balaturim, this is it. It wasn't him that was crying. He wasn't the Nar. Aaron was crying. What was Aaron doing there? Miriam was there. What was Aaron doing there? So Balaturim says that Aaron said, my brother is being left in the Nile. I have to see what happens. She opens it up. She sees it's a baby boy. She takes the baby boy. Aaron is the Nar. Sees his holy brother who was born lit up with a bris mila, right? Is being taken by the princess of Egypt to be adopted. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna be a guy. He was there. Aaron was there. He's going to be a guy. He's going to assimilate. So the Nar, Aaron, started crying. When she heard there's a Jewish boy crying for his brother, the child must be Jewish. So she immediately she said, Oh, this kid's a Jew. Why? Because his brother is crying for him. So the Brismila is not what told her. And the Balaturim says, when it says Nar, it's not talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. Who's it saying Nar? Yeah, it's in the Pasuk. It's a Pasuk. She saw the baby. Now it makes sense. And there was a big boy crying. But if she had pity, they told me, I'll do it that. It's got, it's got to be a Jew. Because only a Jew, that's what the Baltimore says, only a Jew would cry over his brother. Because why was he crying? This woman is, a guy would be like, why is he crying? This is, a, this is an amazing story. Kid gets abandoned in the, in the Nile River. Princess comes down. Princess adopts the pauper. The Prince and the Pauper. What a book we could have written. What a great story. Nobody's crying in that story. It's, it's the most amazing thing. A regular kid, he's in a little, a little thing. Princess comes down, falls in love with the baby, adopts him, and he becomes the Prince of Egypt from nothing, from a slave. Wow! The Prince and the Pauper. It's a great book. So if it was a non-Jew, this is the best story that could happen. But for a Jew, my brother is going gonna, is gonna to be adopted and be put in the lowest the lowest castle, the lowest place in the world, he's going to become the prince of Egypt? My poor brother. Not, not, oh wow, he's so lucky he became a prince. No, he's so unlucky, he's now part of the Goyim. So she said, a, 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 a Jewish, a, a boy crying over, he should be so happy. I'm the princess and I'm taking this kid, a nobody from nowhere, abandoned in the water, and I'm taking him for my son, and this kid is crying? He should be so happy. Why is he crying? Must be a Jew. It's got to be a Jew. It's a Balaturim. You can look up in your Mechorah's Gedalus. It's a Balaturim. Anyway, I'm not going to get to my main point today, which is Moshe Rabbeinu's disability that he stuttered and he couldn't speak, and um, his whole conversations with God that I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, seven times, I can't do this. You're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I have a disability. I'm a child with a disability. I stutter badly. He stuttered badly because his, his mouth was burnt, his tongue was burnt. 
And like I told the girls downstairs, I'm just adding to what I told them, that, that the trauma, when a person goes through the trauma, they don't understand why they went through the trauma. But if they believe in Hashem, they know in their heart that this trauma, sometimes, for some reason, is going to help me or Hashem wouldn't do this to me. The person who did it to me, who caused the trauma, he should go to Gehenna. Hashem should do whatever he has to do to him. That's, that's Hashem's, that's your responsibility. Not my, I'm not taking him to Gehenna. That's Hashem's responsibility. I gotta live my life. So we don't really understand, but over here, over here it's very fascinating because Moshe Rabbeinu, what happened was, Paro said that, you know, you have to throw all these kids and she comes home with this kid. And Paro's very worried that he's a Jew. Maybe he's a Jew. Maybe he's the guy that's gonna do this to me. So Paro tells his, his, uh, advisors, what am I gonna do here? My daughter will be heartbroken if I kill this kid. I can't kill, she adopted it. I can't kill him. It's my daughter's baby. They say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We'll do a test. Mm-hmm. We're going to put a gold crown in front of him. Beautiful, your gold crown. And we're going to put hot coals in front of him. If he goes for the crown, that means he's the guy that's going to kill you. We have to kill him. And your daughter has no choice. If he goes for the coals, he's an idiot. <laughs> he's a stupid kid. When he's going to burn his fingers, you don't got to worry about him. Now, they were going to kill, they set it up that they were going to kill Moshabena. Because you go in front of any little baby and put a gold crown with shiny gold and jewels and some hot coals, the kids go for the crown to put it on his head. So they, they set this up that Moshe was going to die. That this kid's going to die. They didn't put a, 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 a crown and a, a rubber ball. Okay, maybe the kid will go for the ball. No, no, no chance. We want to make sure he dies. Crown with jewels and hot coals. The minute he goes in the hot coals, he's going to take his fingers away. So they were setting him up, this test. This was a setup. Trump would have been very involved here. This was like this was a this was a setup to kill this kid. Gold and jewels or a hot or a hot coals. They didn't make it fair. They didn't say a crown and candy. That would have been a fair test. If he goes if we put candy in front of him, lollipops and stuff, and he goes for the crown, then maybe he's the kid. You didn't make it fair. You put a crown that every kid would go for and hot coals. So they set it up for him to die. And he was gonna die. Because he was a normal baby. And he put his hands, going for the crown. And they're like, yeah, too bad about you. And Amalek came and said, no, 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 no. And put his hand into the coals. He burnt his fingers. But like any baby, what do you do when you put your fingers in something hot? You put it in your mouth. Of course he was crying. Put it in his mouth. These were hot coals. His lips burnt. His tongue burnt. I, don't, I would never make fun of Moshe Rabbeinu. But if you have a lisp, I had a lisp as a kid, you sound like you're a three-year-old girl. When I was 14, I'm talking like, they're like, ooh, you're so cute. It's not a good thing. It's hard. And I I had a lisp, and I I didn't have a stutter, but even stuttering, someone who stuttered, he had both. And he says, it says in the Torah, he didn't hide it. Clyde Pear, Ralph Sofasayim, Clyde Pear, Ralph Sofasayim, says the whole time in the Torah. Everywhere he went, I'm going to hear Ralph Sofasayim, I can't talk, I have a disability. I, I, you know, I get that thing in my car. I can park anywhere I want. I have a disability. I have a disability. I bring a badge. I have a disability. He said it to Hashem. The whole time he had a disability. And he didn't know why. Like, what did he do wrong? He's a little kid. What did he do wrong? Girls, what did he do wrong? Why did he deserve it? Why did he deserve to burn his mouth? Put candy in a crown and he would have gone for the candy. He would have been saved and had a lollipop and no burn. So later on, in Shemos, we'll talk about when you come back in two weeks, he says to Hashem, I don't want to go. They're going to make fun of me. I'm going to get up in front of Paro and I'm going to be stuttering and lisping. And Paro's going to say like, oh, so your God is going to uh, take you out of Mitzrayim and do all these miracles. And he's not even a speech therapist. He can't even fix you. It's going to be embarrassing to you, Hashem. It's going to be embarrassing to me. He said that to Hashem. He said, Hashem, I want you to do one thing for me. 
fix it. Hashem can do anything. Fix it. Stop my stuttering. Fix my mouth. Fix my lips. And then I'll go. That's a fair request from Hashem. Fix it. Hashem said, no. You're going to go like this. He said, why? He said, because if you're a great speaker, like Charlie Harari, right? You're a good speaker. And you're going to come in front of Paro and you're going to make a whole speech, right? You're a great speaker. Then Paro's going to say, oh, I let the Jews out of Mitzrayim. There was no God. There was no miracles. They had this great orator who talked me into it. Hashem said, no, I'm not going to give Paro that excuse. You're going to stutter and you're going to lisp and they can never say because you were a good speaker. You're a miserable speaker. But they're never going to be able to say that you got them out of Mitzrayim. So I'm not fixing you. And there's a machlokas if he ever fixed him. Or if when he said that, the last eight, if Hashem fixed him. It's a machlokas if he ever got fixed. But for right now, so now Moshe Rabbeinu understood that why he had to get burnt. Why don't you just do chocolates and a crown or candy and a crown or a ball and a crown? No, I had to burn my mouth because I'm going to take Kleistral out of Mitzrayim and I'm not going to be a good orator. I'm not going to be a good speaker. And it's going to come because of Hashem and I'm going to do a Kiddush Hashem. The biggest Kiddush Hashem. And it's not because I'm a good speaker. It's all because of Hashem. So he got to see later why he went through the trauma. And that's what Hashem says in the Pasuk. Later on in Shemos, I gave you the disability and I will live in that disability and I will be in your mouth and I will be your ability. Your disability will become your greatest ability. Because if you were a good speaker, you wouldn't be the leader of Klai Yisrael because I wouldn't need you to represent them. So he got to see in the end why that happened to him. I don't totally understand. Can you repeat it? Like, is it like because of Kiddush Hashem? Ultimately yeah, because he could speak well. Then he didn't. He, then, then Hashem didn't get that out of Mitzrayim. He got him out of Mitzrayim. He's a good speaker. Talked him out of it. When you believe in Hashem and you have a Muna, when you're going through it all, then you have understand there's a, there's a bigger meaning. Of course, it takes away the pain. You don't always get to see the meaning. Moshe Benu never, never after this, after Mitzrayim, he never says a word about it. He doesn't complain about it. He, he saw why Hashem did this to me. So that everyone else will get to say it was really from Hashem. Right. That's, that's why it's called Emunah. It's Emunah. He understood that Paro didn't do it to him. Paro was the stick. Don't get angry at the stick. Paro didn't do this to me. Hashem set this whole thing up. Paro might have put a bowl of chocolate or candy there. Hashem made me burn my tongue and my mouth because that's what the leader of Klai Israel had to have. Yosef understood. Hashem sold me to Mitzrayim to save the world. David Amelech had to know what it felt like, what he went through in order to write from all his pain. His son tried to kill him. His father-in-law tried to kill him. They called him a mamzer. They, they blamed him for everything. His tehillim, all that pain. Why'd you do this to me, Hashem? Why'd I have to go through all this? I'm the leader of Klaistro. And the reason is, you could never write tehillim if you didn't go through pain. We don't always get to see the reason. But we, know to, we need to know that there is a reason. That I don't know how an atheist deals with abuse or anything. Like, it means that what I went through... That nobody, that nobody liked me or whatever it is. It's just random. How do you deal with that? I had no reason. That I was abused. I had no reason. It's just random. How do you live like that? How do you live like that? This person died? Just random. If things don't have a reason and they happen random, then there's no reason for that to happen. That's the pain. There's no reason for that to happen. And it happened to me. And there's no why. Oh, how do you live with that? Everything has a reason. I'm not saying everyone's on that level. It's something that we have to work to. But you see that from, we see that from Moshe Rabbeinu. But the, the really most beautiful shot I'm saying is that 
that it was Aaron, not him, and that a Jewish brother cries when they see their brother in danger of their spirituality. And that's why Aaron cried. He was scared that Moshe would assimilate because he was now being taken by the princess. Have an amazing, healthy, good vacation. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.